Hospitality MD listeners, welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, we are privileged to welcome Sarah Danishi to the show. Based in Los Angeles, Sarah has leveraged her 15 years of frontline experience in luxury hotels as an award-winning Le Clay Door concierge to establish herself as a leading voice in hospitality and travel. As the founder of Ask a Concierge, she goes beyond the concierge desk to give back to the hospitality industry by providing insights on travel trends and news uncovered by her interactions with guests and travel leaders from all over the world. When she's not serving the industry through social media and her podcast, Say Yes to Travel, she also consults and advises some of the country's top travel organizations to maximize their hospitality. Sarah, thank you for being with us on Hospitality MD. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for everybody who's listening, I just want to kind of give a shout out to Rupesh Patel. Um, he was lucky enough to, uh, well, I was lucky enough, I should say, to be on his show where I met Sarah, where she does the Hospitality Minute every week mm-hmm. at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Hospitality Live with Rupesh. So it was really a pleasure meeting you on his show, and uh, I'm glad we could connect in this capacity. Um, so I want to start by asking you, because you've been doing this for a long time, and I know you have an acting background, and you've kind of been doing, you know, kind of a hodgepodge of different things throughout your career. Um, <laughs> wow, you did your, you did some deep digging right there. <laughs> a little bit. I, I wanted to make sure that we, we do you justice by, by having you on the show, because, you know, you are such a leading voice. We want to make sure that we're maybe interviewing you a little bit different than you have in the past. Um, sure. So... I want to start by asking you if you can remember the first moment that you felt hospitality. If oh. You dig back, or the most maybe profound moment, if you can think of it, because um, I think that'll set the tone for the rest of your career. The first one I felt hospitality, like as a hospitality provider, or okay. So. Yeah, just whatever story comes to mind, you can interpret that for yourself. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I have two, I have two stories. So the one is, because I can never just choose one, go figure. Um, (laughs) A true hospitality professional always have to give you plenty of options. Um, No, but the first time I will say was, so my very first hotel job, I started at 19 years old working at the Four Seasons in Washington, D.C., in Georgetown. And I have to say, uh, going through that and feeling, going through that training set the tone for my career. I mean, because think about it, I started at 19, so I didn't have any like bad habits to break. I had no habits. I was completely moldable. And, you know, they had a really beautiful training program. And I remember just sitting there actually in the, in the conference room that they had us in kind of going through the, um, you know, the training and like, you know, the things that we had to keep in mind when we were providing service and everything from if they're walking down the hall, a guest is walking down the hallway that you step to the side. And there were just these little nuggets that I was like, oh, wow, like the nuances to really how you can deliver hospitality are so special. And I was very lucky that I was introduced to that very early on in my career. 
Um, so I, I, I have very specific memories of being there. Like I even like, could even like smell the conference room, you know, cause it was obviously all wood and, you know, very luxurious. And, um, and then also even like noticing all the, the branding, like, wow, it just, it, it was a very special moment that it's like, wow, they have their own letterhead and their pens and things that we take for granted. But like when you're 19 years old, it's, it's very impressive. Um, and then another moment that I will say, probably back in 2015, I was at a conference in Cabo in Mexico. And um, I've since seen this, I've seen this since, but at the time it was still new to me. I had gone to visit the one and only Palmilla. And uh, I remember walking through that, the um, property, just doing like a sort of a site visit and every single, uh, a, you know, employee or somebody that worked at the, at the property that I interacted with, they all put their hand on their, like on their heart or their chest area and like did like a little bow. And that to me was like, wow. It, it just, that, that was hospitality from the heart. And it was so special and it's such a slight gesture but it made me feel really warm and, and that was a little thing. So there you go, two stories to start, to set the tone. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I love your Four Seasons story um, first and foremost, because it, it was that your first time being in that kind of luxury environment? Like as a kid, did you stay at Four Seasons? Did you stay at luxury hotels? Did you travel at all? Like, Oh, we gotta know? go back, we'll go back. Right. We'll go back. So. I did travel quite a bit as a kid. So um, even though despite the blonde hair, blue eyes, um, I am half Lebanese. So half of my family lives in the Middle East as well as Europe. Uh, I do happen to have some extended family members that do work in hospitality. So being in that sort of luxury environment was not foreign to me. Um, I had certainly experienced it maybe as a guest, but also as a kid too. Like, what do you you, you don't really know, but I had traveled quite a bit. I mean, my first flight, I think I was three weeks old as soon as my passport came in and we flew from, you know, New York over to Saudi Arabia. So I lived as a kid in Saudi Arabia, London, Atlanta, college in, in DC, lived in New York a bit, and then certainly have been in Los Angeles the past several years. So um, travel and hospitality has always been sort of a part of my upbringing. But that time, so even though it wasn't my first time necessarily being in that luxury environment, it was my first time almost feeling a sense of responsibility for that luxury, that, or that, that luxury hospitality. It was like, wow, I'm being invited into this space to help be the fabric of what makes, you know, at that point, the Four Seasons the Four Seasons, which is its luxury hospitality. So it was very much an honor and I was very, um, eager to pick up on all the nuances so that I could really, you know, deliver it accordingly. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because when you're a part of an organization like that, it, that responsibility, I think, you know, I think that was a great choice of words because you feel like, oh, it's on me now, like all these things that they're talking about, it's, it's, it doesn't do any good if we just train, but it has to be acted each and every time, every single guest consistent. Come from within too, and all of that, all of the above, exactly. And, and right, to your, to your point on that, because, and even about your story with the, the hand over your heart, because that's a, when you see that so consistently, obviously it's being trained and ingrained into all the, the staff members, 
And where do you draw the line between like, you know, scripted and kind of trained and ingrained gestures of hospitality versus that kind of raw and authentic um, human to human hospitality that, that, you know, can happen anywhere I, uh, in the hotel environment? No, that's a, that's a great question. And it's something that I'm, I've been delving into and kind of like figuring out my, how best to sort of describe it myself, but um, because we're also seeing a shift in what travelers want. So we are seeing and in the essence that travelers don't want that overly scripted language. It feels false to them. They're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You have to say my pleasure. Okay. So mm -hmm. right now we are seeing a lot of these bigger brands veer a little bit away from that. Yes, there, there is a, a sense of, you know, it has to be scripted. You might have to say a guest name a number of times within a certain exchange, but even Forbes, by the way, you know, Forbes travel guide, they've even modified some of their requirements as well to reflect what luxury travelers are wanting. And they want it to be a little bit more, whether it's it, just authentic. The way I think, I, I'd almost feel like the way that I would describe it is there, because there needs to be, you know, a sense of, you know, proper use of language and presentation. You can't just be, hey, yo, man, how's it going? Like, that's, you know, <laughs> you know, even though you might be able to connect with somebody that way. It's like, that's not exactly what it is, because you do have to keep in mind the brand that you're representing as well, too. You know, every interaction, I always say you are not only representing yourself, you're representing the hotel, but then you're also representing your profession. And so if you're really looking to stay, you know, relevant and on people's minds, every interaction does count and matter. So, you know, that being said, it's almost like, I guess like some people use the, the, the term like your Sunday best, you know, it's like when you're trying to figure out like, how would you describe what you would wear in your Sunday best, which is not formal, but it's not, uh, it's not casual. Or one could even maybe say like, oh, how would you speak maybe to like, your grandparents, and I know that sounds really weird, but there is a bit of, you know, you might choose your words a little bit more carefully. You might speak a little bit more deliberately. Um, and I think if you do that, then you're still able to have a genuine connection, but just maybe not so scripted to always say, uh, it's my pleasure, sir, or, you know, whatever the other. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I, I haven't had the opportunity to stay at, at very many luxury properties, you know, being a mid-level hotel manager, right? But um, I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria in Chicago, um, and, oh, I, and I, when I pulled up um, to their courtyard area, I, and was kind of attacked by doormen who were opening my doors and everything. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, I was staying on an employee rate, which maybe had part of a Hilton employee rate, which may have had, you know, something to do with my guilt that I felt for receiving so much aggressive uh, kind of invasion of hospitality. Um, oh, but I also wow. felt uncomfortable to a certain extent uh, because I was like, this is just like almost outrageous to a certain extent. Um, and, and it kind of made me feel a little bit you know, off well, it's interesting because it all depends on what the guest is useful, used to. And so that's why it's extremely important in hospitality to read the guests. Some guests do not want all the fuss. Some they're like, this is why I'm here. Lavish me and like say my name 25 million times a day, you know? So it's, it's picking up on kind of what the guest wants. Um, 
but next time you go indulge yourself a little bit it's kind of nice <laughs> yeah you know what maybe maybe i should try it sometime i i actually found myself responding a lot better to um the park hyatt brand when i had an opportunity to stay there um i think they're like slogan is luxury is personal and yeah. I kind of connect with that a little bit and I experienced that in action when I stayed there um, because my check-in process uh, I, I felt like I was making a personal connection and, and it was very pleasant conversation but I also felt like the person I was speaking to was polished refined professional yeah. on stage um, but more it was approachable, uh, but it was still luxurious. And that interaction actually prompted me to indulge myself more than I did at the Waldorf Astoria. Um, the Waldorf, after that arrival experience, I literally was like, I'm just going to sneak around the hotel and try and remain under the radar. Because honestly, it made me uncomfortable. But at the Park Hyde, I was like, you know what? Let me let me check out their concierge desk. Let me, let me check out their food and beverage offerings. Because I was like, I want to experience more of this. Um, so I, 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 I agree with you. I think there's a certain sense of responsibility again, to use that word, to be refined and be on stage, but also to read the guest, respond to cues, the well, basics. And you bring up a very great point. Both of those brands are fantastic brands and they're certainly known for, you know, excellent service, but they do, as you clearly just described, have a very different flavor. So that being said, there, when we talk about hospitality, there is no one size fits all because even for example, like Waldorf Astoria, that has a different sensibility than say a Four Seasons, which has a different sensibility than a Peninsula, which has a different sensibility than a Ritz-Carlton. There might be more overlap because those are certainly all within you know the same um, sort of concept, but, uh, each one just feels a little different. And it's that also then leads people to choose the brands that they're loyal to as well too. It's like, where do they feel more comfortable? Some like, hey, I wanna stay at a W Hotel cause I like feeling funky and groovy, you know? <laughs> like whatever, whenever, okay, you know? So um, I think that those nuances, it is important to acknowledge, but um, and as, as a hospitality provider, understand sort of the umbrella that the brand that you're working for has sort of created um, because they are so very different, yet similar, but different. <laughs> right, and I think it, you know it's safe to say that you've kind of mastered that having worked for Four Seasons, Peninsula, the London, you know, having worked at all these different luxury brands. Um, I'm sure you've experienced from the provider standpoint how again, nuanced it is mm -hmm. from brand to brand. 100%. So for you, how do you, how do you manage the, the brand uh, kind of modifying your, your, your delivery from brand to brand, but also like you have your own personal brand as well. You're a leading global concierge. I mean, you're Sarah Dandeshi. How do you maintain that while working for these different brands and, uh, and, and kind of being a chameleon, so to speak? Well, so to, to give to just some, some clarity to that, all of those were properties that I had worked for at like a specific time. So it's not like one day I'm here and the other day I'm working at another one, putting on like a name tag and that. So, you know, they were all very much, um, you know, pro they were properties that I worked at for, for several years, uh, multiple years. You know, a lot of it is, is taking my knowledge and what I 
no. And then really going in with an open mind to when I do get trained on those at those properties, because generally speaking, they do have, um, you know, the, the human resources department do have a pretty thorough uh, training uh, procedure so that it immediately gives you a sense and flavor of what they're looking for. Then that combined with easily over the first like two to three months, really gauging the type of the average sort of clientele that comes in. So case in point, for example, I had gone more recently from Peninsula in Beverly Hills to then the London West Hollywood. And for, I mean, all intents and purposes, Peninsula's five star, five diamond. Um, the, the London, um, although luxurious, would be a, you know, a solid four star sort of experience. And it's different. They wanted very different things. Um, so I could, my training, because it was more formal, was definitely helpful, but I needed to, the guests needed me to be more relaxed. It would be a little bit too much pomp and circumstance. They'd be like, yo, what, what's going on with this girl? <laughs> you know, so it's taking whatever previous training that you've had, but then being very mindful that you will have to adjust and, and go, you know, move a, a, accordingly. So, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, adapting and that combination of, of seeing what they, their guidelines are, as well as what the guests are responding to. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, to go back to your acting background, right. It almost sounds like to your, when you go to a different property and you're learning it, it's almost like you're preparing for a new role, so yeah. to speak, like, it, yeah. you know, and, and kind of to draw that line when you're on stage in hospitality, uh, you kind of almost have to play the role of, okay, yesterday I was a, a five-star, five-diamond concierge in Beverly Hills and catering to this guest. Now, what would a concierge at a, at a solid four-star upscale property with this clientele respond to? Do you think about it that way ever at all? Um, no, well, I, I mean, I at the beginning, you know, sure, at the beginning there was definitely... Uh, I actually, what, I mean, the things that I remember loving about going from such a heavy five-star background, it, you know, because prior to the peninsula, I had worked at the L'Hermitage also in Beverly Hills, which was a Raffles and a Fairmont, um, and then certainly four seasons before that. So definitely under all of these umbrellas. But I remember at the, at the London that I was like, oh, wow, I can be a little bit more of myself, you know? And so I didn't, then they weren't scripted. In fact, they were like very much like push your own personality. Um, I felt that I fared better than maybe some of the others because I had such a strong training. So I felt like I knew that my training would rein me in, but then I still felt like I had all this wiggle room. Whereas when I worked at some of the other properties, it was very rigid in how I could respond or interact. So for me, I enjoyed it because I'm like, oh, I know my foundation is at a high level and now I can just kind of play within that where I would then see, you know, other colleagues who maybe this was their first hotel and because they weren't given parameters, it was like, I'm like, you said what to them? My, it was so loosey goosey. So there is something to be said for it's nice to keep it, you know, personal, but there absolutely has to be strong training grounds so that when you are bringing people into the, the fold, so to speak, 
that they know the parameters in which to, to play with. I mean, I remember somebody being like, oh yeah, John in 508. And I'm like, please don't tell me you called him by his first name. Like, <laughs> John, no, what, what, what? So it's again, it's understanding, you know, the parameters in which to, to play, but that's why, and every single hotel brand, no matter what it is, that onboarding process is so important because whoever is working, whether it is at a concierge desk or the front desk, or, you know, in the restaurant, the bar area, the cocktail servers, the housekeepers, the engineering, anybody that might end up interacting with a guest, it is extremely important for them to understand the, you know, the, the flavor for a lack of a better word of that brand and that property. And so that they're able to accurately um, kind of reflect that. Like, for example, even I was so trained in like, yes, 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 that I was over promising things. And then my shortly after I started, my manager came over and he was like, you told them that like, um, whatever, valet was, you could comp their valet. And I'm like, dude, like if we need to sign off and comp their valet just to like get them to chill out, like, yeah, right. We just say yes. It's like a half day. And he's like, well, it's technically a third party and this and that. And I'm like, oh, okay, whoa, this is like such a whole different ball game. So where I knew that at some of these um, you know, five star five diamond properties, it was just like, yes. And then you figure it out later. <laughs> this was very much like you had to um, be very aware and not over promise, but that goes within line of the brand. I like you being vulnerable and saying that because like, I think, you know, on for a lot of people listening, you know, they think, oh, Sarah Danishi, because at, at this point in your career, you had already had yeah, yeah. 10 plus years of concierge experience. You already, you had already been well on your journey of your own personal brand as a concierge. So, you know, for people to know that even at that level, your manager still came up to you and told you, hey, you need to chill out on this, or you still had to adapt and almost relearn some things, um, I think is, uh, is humbling, I think, for maybe a lot of people listening to, to know that, you know? I, you know, I mean, here's the thing. First of all, thank you for, for even saying that. But for me, it's like, when I step into that, like, that's, that's the role that I play. And it's not, you know, you come with all your years of background and, and your, your experience. And I think that that really works well, especially when it's like resolving conflicts or things like that, because you can stay very cool and calm because most likely you've seen it before. So you're like, we know how this is going to play out. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a constant it's it's a constant learning process why brands are changing guests are changing you know there was definitely a period of time where it was like the idea that you would text a guest was like oh my gosh I hope I don't get in trouble for texting a guest because they that might be too personal now they're all like please don't send me a piece of paper with my confirmation will you just text me that I have my eight o'clock reservation at wherever so you know, the guests, what they want is different. And so then you just have to, you, you always have to adapt to that. And every interaction is different. Maybe somebody takes something that you say completely the wrong way. And then you're like, oh my gosh, wow. I, I didn't even think that it could have been interpreted that way. It's so, every day is just so changing that I, I don't think that you can go into it with like a set of blinders. And it's like, oh, I know I have this and whatever. At the end of the day, also, it's the service industry. The guest really doesn't care who the heck I am and how, what I've done for the past 15 years. They just want to know that is it getting done? 
you right. know, and if there is a personal connection and then they do find out more and then they do care, cool. But at the end of the day, ego experience, all of that behind you. And it just, it's, I mean, I've even heard some people say you're, you're as great as your last guest interaction. I think that's a little um, excessive to say it's a little, but, but there is a sense of validity to that is that you are as good as your last interaction. So stay on your, stay on your toes. That's the first time I've heard that. And I think I agree with you. Yeah. It's a little bit like, all right, you know, that's a little bit over the top, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, like you have to be on your game. You have to be consistent. Um, so you, you've been doing ask a concierge for what, almost nine years now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and your most recent hotel job ended a couple months ago, right? With the pandemic. Oh, okay. You got, you want to get in on the details. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, no, I'm happy to, to share. Cause I actually have not been very vocal on it and I'll explain why. Um, so in um, full transparency, uh, over the past year or so, I really had been only working part-time hours as my brand had grown so much. To give you an idea of 2019 for me, I traveled to 35 different destinations. Um, I was working with different brands, whether it was cruise lines, hotels, filming road trips, vineyards, whatever. Um, going to Southeast Asia, coming back, I would literally, it, was, it wasn't uncommon for me to land at LAX at like 10 a.m., come home, freshen up a little bit, put on my uniform, my name tag, and be at work by 2.30. I'm crazy, okay? <laughs> I, but, but for me, it was like out of respect for you know, the hotel that I have been working at, they have been with me through this entire journey and they've let me grow and blossom um, independently. And it's like, they scratch my back, I scratch theirs. And they've been very open about that. We've both been very open about that since the beginning. So uh, I, even though I personally had a bit of like an, a plan to ultimately part ways this year, um, just wanting to make sure I'm like, okay, is it time? Then the pandemic hit. So then I was furloughed and, um, but the hotel stayed open the whole time. And at a certain point they were like, okay, well, we want to start bringing back the concierge, obviously being a senior and in charge of the department, I'd be the first call. So there were a series of calls where they asked me to come back and I said, um, thank you for calling me first. I respectfully would like to defer and please start bringing back the next person on the list and the next person on the list. So they ended up bringing back two and then come the end of August, they were like, we can't keep an, an additional person on furlough anymore. We want you to come back, please come back. But if right. you do come back, we are going to have to let go of one of the people that's already been here working for the past three weeks. And I was like, absolutely not. No way. No way. I couldn't take away a job away from somebody at this point. In, first of all, ever, but definitely at this point in time. Um, and it's very different taking a job away from somebody versus earning a job. So, uh, and it just felt, I, I couldn't do it. So that kind of happened. And then I, I happened to be uh, working with some brands in Mexico when I came back. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to go back and be with family to just kind of like regroup and process because it was one of these moments that I had been working towards this moment for so long to be like, okay, I'm cutting ties, maybe next chapter. And, but it was such a sad circumstance. 
it was such a sad circumstance. And it was something that I didn't feel comfortable sharing um, because, because it involved so many people and, yeah. and the livelihood. And it's like, yay for next chapters, but not under these circumstances. So that is the full story. <laughs> um yeah. that I haven't officially like I haven't like written it out or shared it anywhere but um yeah so it's been this sort of bittersweet uh fully stepping into the next chapter right and I think as as many people are doing you know I I found it interesting that despite your growth uh with your own personal brand you maintained rooted in a yeah. Line level concierge position, you know, working PM shifts at that, um, which I respect a lot, uh, having oh, far worked PM. a lot I, of people. What's that? I was like, I far prefer PM shifts, but that's because I would wake up. So I wake up super early as it is, and I would have my full day. So I would have my full morning day um, that I would devote to building out Ask a Concierge. And then I would just go in the evenings and go to the hotel. So it was kind of like, um, it worked best for me because I could focus on building my passion um, when I was freshest. Because you know that if it was flipped the other way, you'd get off of work and you're like, oh, I don't want to do any work right now. I don't, <laughs> you know, what? we all know that. You don't want to do anything after a shift. So I figure I end the day with it. I leave the shift and I go straight to bed. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's for for me at least, and I think for maybe a lot of people who, who follow your content, there's a certain level of authenticity that's associated with, you know, being grounded in your roots and kind of, you know, your insights are coming from hitting the marble every day, so to speak, and being in yeah. the lobby um, and, and, you know, not leaving that behind at the first sign of success with your, because I, I feel like for some people, you know, Oh, I was on the Kelly Clarkson show. I was on this news network. I was doing this. All right. Well, you know what? Peace. I'm out. I'm I'm too big for it now. But you you stayed true to your roots. Why? Why is that? <laughs> um, great question. You know, that was it was something that I struggled with for a while because I mean, in theory, I I could have absolutely left my job, you know, a while ago. But it was it was twofold. It it was, you know with threefold, I would even say. On, on one side, you know, I created this brand, Ask a Concierge. And yeah, could I, you know, it felt I was struggling with, is it still authentic to be Ask a Concierge if I'm not at a hotel? Because that's where it started. Yes, you could, you know, you can argue that it's like, you can be a private concierge in this. And I do do private concierge work. So it's not a complete departure, but I had to be okay with that. Um, the other aspect is I'm very heavily involved in um, in the Lake Claydor organization, and I, you know, was worried about what would that be like my involvement with that if I wasn't working at the desk. Um, but third, I, it was my family, you know, and I think that's also been a little bit of what I've been struggling with even more recently is that. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people that, you know, either furloughed or even getting laid off. Yes, there's certainly like the financial aspect of it. But I think that there's also a huge thing is, is that it's your family, your work family. It gives you this sense you're rooted. Like, you know, the high fives that you have with so-and-so, the laughs in the back that you have with whatever. 
Like you, you miss that. And by the way, I mean, all of this was, you know, you might have left on good terms. This is clearly circumstances beyond everybody's control, but you miss that. And especially for hospitality professionals, I mean, they're not glamorous hours. We miss holidays. We miss weekends. We work early mornings. We work in the middle. We work. It's not a normal lifestyle. And who can you really best bond with but other people that get that not normal lifestyle? So um, anytime that you kind of part ways with that, it's, it's, a, it's a little jarring. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, just as you were saying that now, I'm starting to like play back the reel in my head of like all the fun memories that, that are kind of associated with being in a hotel environment. It's almost an irreplaceable mm-hmm. um, feeling, you know, that, yeah. that you have. Um, so kind of as you, as you move in and, and you develop your brand, do you think you'll ever go back to a hotel? Does that even seem possible at this point? Oh, oh you were asking you all. It? <laughs> wow. As, and by the way, as like authentic and open as I am, there's a lot of things that I don't totally touch on, but, um, sure. um, but I'm happy to share because you're asking it. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, I don't, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me at this point in my, in my career to going back to maybe being um, a, you know, a line concierge that let's be honest, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Um, but uh, I do foresee my um, involvement with hotels changing, absolutely working with them in a consulting capacity, because it's, it is certainly that um, the, you know, guest interactions and that embodying that hospitality was so much a part of my, my life. And then uh, certainly in the, in the content creating space as well, too, because that's something that I, is interesting because it's a little bit of a natural extension of being a concierge. What did we do as concierge? I always argue that the concierge were like the original influencers, because think about it. They're the ones that are like, hey, come check out this place, or whether it's a restaurant or a store, or they're the ones that are curating and figuring out the best of the best to share that information with their guests, which is in essence what like a real, you know, real influencers should be doing as well too. So there's something that I, I almost feel like is a bit of a, a natural extension of being a concierge, but just doing it not behind the confines of a desk. Now I get to help uh, a lot of people have amazing experiences, whether they're just doing a staycation in their city or they're traveling somewhere that really like totally opened my eyes. I love that sentiment because you're not, you're not leaving. You're not, it just you're, you're still a concierge. You're just, you're able to do it, you know, and, and, you know, influence again, more people than the people who just call you on the phone uh, at the hotel or come up to your desk. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that sentiment on the influencers, like, who do restaurants call to come over for free and, and try their, their, their tasting menu out and, and, and stuff like that, who gets to go on boat tours and architecture things for free and, and do that so they can share it, a concierge. And now, you know, in, in your role, who gets to travel and, and get exposed to that in, in order to share it, you're really doing the same thing. So, it, you know, the, just because you're not at a hotel, I think it's clear that that your your passion and authenticity speaks for itself, um, and, and that your role is now 
much bigger and, and much more influential. Um, another thing, are you, you're writing a book? Ah, I am. Oh my gosh. So why, don't we, why don't we talk about that? I'm, I'm very interested to know I've, in my uh, more recent not working in, at a hotel days, I've been finding myself reading quite a bit. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to know, I'm sure as are many people about what you're working on. Okay. Okay. It makes it so much more real, but I, I am, and I'm, um, uh, just about halfway through it as well to have. So, um, yeah, it is going to be called hospitality from within, and it will be very much of a hospitality book and, uh, just breaking down different key points of hospitality. Um, be it reminders, something new, new ways of looking at things, um, and, you know, sharing some stories from not only myself, but from also different colleagues as well, too, because uh, I think, as with anything in hospitality, you never work in a silo, you're always working with other people. So um, I think it wouldn't do the book any justice to just have my stories, but to have other stories, because so many people have amazing interactions. So yes, I am working on that. And uh, if all goes as planned, um, should have that out probably in December. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you. And, and, and uh, I'll definitely be getting a copy of your book when it comes out. Um, and, and that's another thing I actually, you know, on your sentiment of, you know, you're, you're missing the, the people that you've worked with and everything on your podcast. I noticed you've been really reaching out to your friends and colleagues and kind of inviting them to your party a little bit to keep those connections strong, totally. you know, keep motivating your people, regardless if you still work with them. And, and I see you doing that same thing with the book. So it's your generous spirit continues to, um, to play out in your, in your ventures. Uh, and I, and I think, that will serve you well and it, you keep doing that. It's awesome to see somebody giving back to the hospitality community, especially right now. Well, I mean, it's it's the community that like raised me, you know what I mean? It's like, it's where we're a pack and, um, you know, depending on how, how much people know, but for example, the concierge community is so, it, it's so interconnected that even within that world, you know, I just had a concierge friend of mine call me from Barcelona just moments before we hopped on this call. I have after this call, I'm talking to a concierge in San Diego and it's, there is this camaraderie and it's this, this friendship. And a lot of these people, these friendships have been furthered um, from my involvement in Lake Claydor, which is the gold keys of concierge. But that organization, you know, if you're active in, in it is, it's so enriching, not only in your, your database and your knowledge of people, but just it takes a special type of person to not only work in hospitality, but to work as a concierge at a luxury property. It's a very specific type of person. So um, you feel like you've found your tribe by you know being able to be there and and uh, make friends with others at other properties. Well, for any members of your tribe who may be listening, uh, <laughs> do you have any message for them right now? You know. Uh, especially with, with all going on and a lot of properties obviously being hesitant to, to bring back a non-revenue generating role necessarily, you know, in their hotel. And um, what's your message for your people? 
and for the community out there? Well, first of all, I will say this. When they, the, it is a misnomer that the concierge profession is non-generating revenue. So there are absolutely ways that they can generate revenue for hotels, whether it is, you know, driving traffic to the spa, to the restaurant, also the personal relationships that they end up developing with guests. The number of times that not only myself, but countless of concierge that I know of that they have guests that come up to them and they're like, you're the only reason why I come back because it's the personal connection. So being a not, I, I would very strongly um, argue that the concierge profession is not a non-revenue generating role. It certainly is. It's just a little bit more unique and they are kind of the liaison between the city as well. So that being said, I would definitely strongly tell my tribe is to remind your hotel of that and the value that you do bring. And it's, you know, a, you know, a true, a true concierge, there's a little bit more of a finesse that they have than, and don't get me wrong, the front desk is amazing, you know, but it's like, you really, a hotel really does itself a disservice if they're just going to have um, a, a front desk agent try and do concierge work if they're not groomed the right way. In the sense that, not to say that they can't get there, but if they've never been trained and they don't know what they're doing, you know, I, I would hear front desk agents be like, yeah, go get tacos like at so-and-so down the street. And you're like, oh, that's where we get tacos. Like after we've been drinking all night long, you can't send the guests there. What do you, you know? So, but it's like understanding the nuances of picking up on what would suit that guest and then giving them recommendations accordingly. You need somebody that has that, um, you know, whether it's the combination of the emotional intelligence, but the finesse and understanding how to read people and that you can talk to them about a private jet or taking the bus down the street, like that can finesse that and really make them feel welcome no matter what. So um, I digressed on all that entire topic. I do apologize, but it is something that I do feel very strongly about. And it's, um, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's, Every interaction is your chance to make yourself relevant. And this would go really for any, any position, but it, it is. It, again, it's not only a reflection of you, it's not only a reflection of the hotel, but it's a reflection of the profession. So if you want job security, you just have to make sure that you consistently knock it out of the park, whatever you do. That's great. And for the record, I completely agree with you on the revenue generation aspect of, of concierge. Oh, sure. I think the problem is ownership is hesitant to sometimes see that see that oh. part through, which I, I love your advice. I think to be able to confidently remind your management and ownership team that the concierge is a vital role in, uh, in the hotel industry, especially now as, you know, people try and navigate what's open, what's closed, where can I do, what can I go here? It's not as simple as Google anymore. I think it's actually probably brought the concierge to a different level of relevance than it, than it has been previously. And, and I, don't get me wrong, it's, you know, I don't have my head in the sand. I totally get like, right now times are very different and it's like, okay, when you have to consider, okay, how many people can you have working and what's the reality if you have a hotel that's at 15%, how much usage will you get out of the concierge? So I look, I get it. It's tough times. Like if, if, if we could go back to how we were before, 
we would, but it's like, how do you navigate that process? Um, but I am even seeing some hotels that are like, okay, we'll bring back the concierge and then we'll train them how to check in people. So, right. you know, there are different ways to look at it. And it, it is a tricky time. And every property is so different that, um, you know, it's, it's a tough decision for any of these hotel owners um, and management staff to, to make. So, um, but the best thing is to just like, you know, bring your A game always. <laughs> Yeah, definitely well said. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure having you on Hospitality MD. Uh, I think our viewers will get a lot of uh, value from, from our conversation. Now, for those listening who want to find Sarah, you're Ask a Concierge everywhere, right? That's how we can find you on all social media platforms. I am, right? I am. So yeah, you've got my website, which is askaconcierge.tv. But then I'm on social media as far as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube as Ask a Concierge. Um, and then LinkedIn, I am myself, Sarah Dandeshi. So um, there's that too. <laughs> awesome. And, and we will include links to her profiles in today's show notes. Um, Sarah, thank you so much again for being on the show. And uh, even more so, a thank you for your contributions to hospitality. Uh, it's truly been a pleasure chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. And um, by the way, I haven't forgotten, you're going to be on my show next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody check out Say Yes to Travel, her podcast, uh, where I will be a guest at some point here. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to you on it. Our people will talk. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>